Good morning, church. Good morning, morning. and I I do want to thank Eddie and the rest of the staff for uh, being so gracious and inviting me to come and speak here uh, this morning. Uh, But before we get too far into the message, uh, I'd like to pray uh, with us before we get in. So let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, I just come before you today. Father, I ask that uh, these words that I speak today are yours and not mine. Father, I ask that you just control my tongue and you put out there what needs to be said. Father, open the hearts and the minds of each one here. May they just learn more about you and seek you. And Father, if I say anything not of you, let it fall on deaf ears. Amen. Again, good morning. And, you know, throughout this last year, it's been an interesting time with COVID-19, right? People all around us living in fear, uncertainties. You know, there's so many people, our friends and our family, that are looking for different directions and looking for answers in life that they maybe didn't have before. We know that we live in a fallen world. And we live in a world that often says there's no God or that there is no hope. Suicide and mental health hotlines have as seen as high as an 800% increase in phone calls over this last year. There was a study done by Baptist Health in South Florida where they called just over 1,000 people and to check in and see how they're doing. And of those 1,000 people, 88% said that they have been consuming alcohol in the last month, and 37% stated that they have been consuming drugs and opioids and things like that throughout all of this. Now you may say, well, that sounds about like a normal rate. The problem is, though, 55% said that they had an increased amount of alcohol within the last month, and 18% saying it was a large-scale increase. And 36% of those who were using drugs also said it was a large increase. And we may be wondering, why is this happening? What is going on in the world around us? Well, over half of them said that they were doing it to deal with stress. And over 30% of them were trying to cope with mental health symptoms, such as anxiety and depression. Now, I don't know about you guys, but this breaks my heart. These are our neighbors, these are our friends, our family members. These are our co-workers. This is the guy sitting across from you at the restaurant. These are people that we see in our everyday life. And they're hurting. And they're in pain. And this is where the church is called to step up and be the hands and feet of Jesus. It is our job to reach out to our friends and our family members. And to even the stranger down the street. We're all called to be evangelists. And together we make up the body of Christ. It's not just a one-person job. It's all of our jobs. And for each one of us moving together to fill the Great Commission outlined in Matthew chapter 28. And here's what it states. Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you, and remember, I am with you always till the end of the age. Now, did you notice that he didn't say it was going to be easy to do this? In fact, earlier in Matthew, Jesus tells us to pick up our cross and to follow him. 
That doesn't exactly sound like an easy trip to me. But the best part is in verse 20. He does tell us, though, that he's going to be with us and that he's going to walk alongside of us. He's not asking us to do this alone. But you may be asking, how do we do the Great Commission? How do we play our in particular role? Well, first, and this is for all of us, we do it through our actions and our words. It tells us in Colossians, act wisely towards outsiders, making the most of the time. Let your speech always be gracious and seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you should answer each person. Now, let's be honest here. This includes me. We're not always good at that as Christians. We're not always good at practicing to be act like Christ when we should. We don't always act wisely, and our speech surely isn't always gracious. I heard it said one time, church is made up of a bunch of imperfect people trying to serve a perfect God. And I know I can't be the only one who agrees with that statement this morning. But no matter what your calling is, we are all called to fill the Great Commission. But have you noticed that we oftentimes come up with excuses on why we shouldn't do something? Why we don't have the desire to step outside of our comfort zone and to share the gospel or do the role and play our role in the body that we're called to? I'm going to tell you guys this. There are people that you can reach that I can't, that your pastors can't, that your elders and your deacons cannot reach. Those are people that are down the street from you. Those are people that you work with. Those are people that you can reach that we can't. And that's why it's important that we all play our role. You know, and a lot of times we hear different fears that people have, starting with the first one. They may ask a question I can't answer. And this is a very common excuse people have for sharing it. You know, what if, what if they ask me, can God microwave a burrito so hot that he himself can't eat it? Think about that for a second. How do you answer that question? You can't. And that's the point. But the odds are you know more of the answers that you're going to be asked than what you even realize. And you can always use the excuse, you know what, I don't know. But let me get back to you. Because you know what that just did for you? That opened the door for a second meeting, for an opportunity to follow up with them, to see how they're doing and have an excuse to talk about Christ again. The next one is, I'm scared. This is a common one as well. But what are we scared of? Are we scared we're going to get made fun of? Are we scared we're not going to have the right words? Are we scared that we're going to get beat up? Odds are that one's not happening. But what we truly need to do is we need to go and do what Paul says in Ephesians. And we need to pray for boldness. And he says, pray also for me that this message may be given to me when I open my mouth to make known the boldness of the mystery of the gospel. Paul is asking for boldness here, just like we need to be asking for boldness. And he understood that God would give him the words at that moment in time. And the next one is, I'm afraid my friends will remember the bad things I've done. And I know this one personally myself. I remember, I know you guys don't know me, but there was a time in my life I lived as if there was no God. I lived my life so far outside the church that I'm embarrassed by some of the things I did. And I had friends and so forth that I had to reach out to 
after, and that was always a concern. Well, what, what do they, they, they know the old me. But do you know what? That's probably one of the best people to reach because you can show them what God has done in your life and how important it is, and that's what you can share with them. Use your life as an example and let them know that they can do the same thing. Another common excuse is, I don't have time. You know, I get this one as well. We live in an extremely fast-paced world today. One meeting to the next, one job site to the next. We got to get our kids to soccer, football, basketball, whatever the sport is, whatever the activity. It is boom, 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 home, sleep, next morning, do it all over again. It's extremely fast-paced, but have you noticed something? We always still seem to find the ability to binge-watch our favorite TV shows, our movies, or we spend hours on social media. It's not that you don't have the time. It's about figuring out what is important in life. And the last, last one here is, I don't know how. And I think this is a very true and poignant one. But I want to encourage you that you can simply share what God has done in your life. Or you can talk to one of your pastors. I'm sure they'd be more than glad to go over some different procedures to help you in this practice. I'm sure as in many things in your life, there were things that you didn't used to be good at that you're very good at now. There's things that took a lot of practice and time and energy to get to the point where you're good at it. I personally love to fish. That's something I enjoy to do. I was not always good at fishing. I wish I could say I was born with the talent. I wasn't. I had to work for it. And I'm sure many of you guys have different gifts and talents and stuff that you've had to work to receive. Well, how is that any different than practicing our faith or being the hands and feet of Jesus? If we're not willing to put in the effort and energy to get there, how are we going to get there? But if it makes you feel any better, and if you're so worried that you're still going to screw up, I want you to know I have screwed up sharing the gospel before. I may be a pastor, but I still make mistakes. Shocker. But even through my mistakes, God was still able to break through. And the reason is you're not powerful enough to screw up God's plans. No matter how hard you think that you have the ability to do that, you don't. Only thing God asks of you is to be a willing vessel to step outside your comfort zone and to do the work that he's asking you to do. And that's all that he's asking of us. Because God will give us the words for that exact moment that we need. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it tells us, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria until the ends of the earth. See, when we trust the Holy Spirit to help us, he's going to help us. But I'm going to warn you, he's going to help us in ways that we never expect. He's going to come through because, see, he's more powerful than us. But we need to trust him for moments such as that. I want to share a story about with you guys about a time that that happened for me. It was, I remember the night several years ago, I went to a church board meeting. And that ch particular church board meeting lasted until past, past 10 o'clock that night. Now, for any of you who've ever been to a church board meeting that lasted past 10 o'clock at night, knows it was extremely not the highlight of my week. That was a very difficult, not going to say it was a bad meeting, but it was a long meeting. 
I had been at church since eight o'clock that morning and I was ready to go home. I wanted nothing more than to go home and get in bed. And as I was driving home, I saw a man on the right-hand side of the road and I saw him walking along and I felt the Holy Spirit prompt me that I needed to turn around and go back and talk to this man. I didn't want to. Remember how I said I've made some of these mistakes myself? This is one of those. I didn't want to turn around and go and talk to this man. I made every excuse I could think of. I have a dog at home. I need to go let him out. I still need a shower. It's been a long day. I have to be at work first thing in the morning again. I did not have time to turn around. But you know what? God kept prompting me, and he pushed me. And finally, after I had driven past him at least a mile, if not more, I finally said, okay. So I turned around, and I started heading back. And in my head, I'm going, well... At least now I've turned around. I mean, he's probably not there anymore, but if he is there, I'll, I'll deal with it. And if not, then hey, you know, at least I tried. Made all types of excuses. And as I got closer, I, I realized something. The man had a brown paper bag in his hand. He was stumbling along. And as I got even closer, I could smell it on his breath. He was drunk, drunk. Um, and as I pulled up and I started speaking to him, I asked, could I pray for you? And the first words out of his mouth were, you're not a cop, are you? And I said, no, no. I said, I'm a pastor. And I said, I'm, I'm here to pray with you. I said, I felt God saying I needed to. And he goes, why? Now, let me tell you, I wish... I could tell you I had this huge, long, philosophical reason I was able to break everything down for him. And I mean, this big old win at that moment in time, and he accepted Jesus and all of that. But no, the only thing that I could find myself to say was simply, God loves you. That's why. When he asked me why God asked, said I needed to pray with him, the only thing I could think of to say was God loves you. And he started crying. And we sat there and we talked and I got to hear his story and he'd been homeless for a while. He had saved up some money. He had a hotel room for the night and he was drinking his dinner. That he'd been struggling with alcohol for a while. And we continued to talk for a little while and prayed with him. And I gave him my business card and I left. Well, a couple days later, first thing in the morning at 7 o'clock, I got a phone call. And he goes... He goes, hey, this is Bob. I was like, okay, hey. He's like, so you're one of those Christian people, right? I was like, yes. Sounds like it's getting a little dangerous. And he's like, well, I need help. Will you help me? Depends on what it is. You know, we got to make sure we've got those lines there. But I was like, yeah, what, what, what do you need? He goes, I've decided to go to, uh, uh, to rehab. And he goes, but I have to go to the hospital first for 24 hours for a detox before I can go to rehab. And I said, okay. I said, when do you need to go? He goes, now. I said, all right, give me, give, me, give me an hour and I'll be there. So I got up and I went and I picked him up. And after I picked him up on the way over to the hospital, he kept asking me over, why would you do this? And again, the only thing I could say is, because God loves you. I couldn't think of much more to share with him other than God loves him. I prayed with him. He was crying as he walked into the hospital. And talked to him a couple more times after that. 
when he entered rehab, and that's about the end of what I had. I didn't have a phone number to reach him anymore. None of that. It was about a year and a half later, out of the blue, I get a phone call. And it was a man, and he said, hey, you might not remember me, but he goes, my name is Bob, and you stopped and you prayed with me that night. And he goes, I wanted you to know that when I went to rehab, all I could think about is you kept saying that God loved me and I couldn't understand how could God love me? Did God not know everything I've done? Did God not know the mistakes I've made in my life? And he goes, and I just, it, it just bothered me and it ran over and over in my head. How can God love me? And after I got done with rehab, I went to a halfway house. And at that halfway house, I started attending a Bible study. And he goes, and I finally got it. I finally understood how God could love me. And he goes, I wanted to call and thank you for stopping that night. And I wanted to let you know that not only have I dedicated my life to Christ, and I have become, and I've been baptized, but I'm your brother in Christ now as well. How exciting. Now let's think about this. What if I didn't turn around that morning? That evening, I should say. What if I didn't listen to the Holy Spirit and go back out and help Bob? Where would Bob be? I would like to think that God had a plan B. But so often we miss those opportunities because of the excuses we make to not be the hands and feet of Jesus. Because we have better things to do than the calling that God has placed in our lives. Then again, maybe you are Bob today. Maybe you feel like you're too far gone like he did. You can't fathom that there's a God that loves you right where you are today. You keep telling yourself that no one loves you. You keep saying, I can't go on. You say that I feel alone and that I can't forgive myself. Let's get into our scripture for today. In Luke chapter 15, for anyone who wants to follow along, there's a story and Jesus tells to the people, a man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me my share of my estates that I have coming to me. So he distributed his assets to them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered together all that he had and he traveled to a distant country where he squandered his estate on foolish living. See, what this young man was doing is he was rebelling against his father. He was telling his father that his provision, that his restrictions and his guidance were no good to him. He wanted none of that for himself. It's the same thing we do when we live against God, when we've chased our fleshly desires and we go outside the boundaries that God has asked of us is that we go against his guidance and we're telling him we want nothing to do with him. In verse 14, it continues. And after he had spent everything, a severe famine struck the country and he had nothing. He had nothing. He wasted all of his, uh, everything he had. Everything that his father had given him, he wasted it. And so many of us get into that position as well. 
God has gifted us in unique ways, but we don't utilize it. We throw it to the side. We don't train it. We don't work on it. And it says that he continues that he went to work for one of the citizens of the country who sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. He longed to eat his fill from the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one would give him anything. He wasted his and squandered his life. Maybe you're one of those people who has lost everything and you don't know where to go. Maybe you just happened to decide to walk into church this morning. But in Luke uh, verse 17, as we continue through here, it says, but when he came to his senses, we all have the capacity to change. And at this moment in time, that's what he's saying. He came to his senses. How many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food? And here I am dying of hunger. I'll go up to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired workers. You don't have to remain where you are. If there's sin in your life that you're dealing with that you haven't committed over to Christ, you don't have to remain where you are. You have a choice to make. Maybe that's why you are here this morning. Maybe you're like the young man in this story. Or maybe you're like Bob and you feel that you're just too far gone. You know you've been living a sinful life. You know you've been doing things that go against the word of God. And you just, you're just, just know that God can't forgive you anymore. There's no way that he would, right? Well, if we look at verse 20, we see some of the most powerful things that happens after. So he got up and he went to his father, but while, his son, while the son was still a long way off, the father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran, he threw his arms around his neck, and he kissed him. Think about that. Before the son even returned home, the father was chasing after him. And that's exactly what Jesus does for each one of us. It's not about making ourselves right before we go to God. It's just simply about turning towards him. And he comes for you. It's not about you making sure to get all your little areas figured out, get all your ducks in a row. It's simply about you turning to Jesus right where you're at. And you know what God does when that happens? It tells us in verse 22 as we start going through, but the father told his servants, quick, bring out the best robes and put it on him. Put a ring on the finger and sandals on his feet. Then bring the fattened calf and slaughter it. And they celebrated. Why? Because the son of mine who is dead is alive again. And that's exactly what God does in heaven for each one of us. That moment in time that someone like Bob comes to know Jesus, that moment in time someone like you comes to have a relationship with Jesus, they celebrate. And then we should all be celebrating as Christian brothers and sisters when we see a new person come over to Jesus' side. And I want you to know this morning, if you're saying that no one loves you, God says, I love you. If you say, I can't go on, God says, my grace is sufficient. If you say, I feel alone, he says, I will never leave you. And if you say, I can't forgive myself, he says, I forgave you. So today, without a shadow of a doubt, don't leave here without handing that over to Christ. Don't leave here without handing over your burdens and the things that you've been holding on to that have been holding you back from accepting Christ without leaving it at the cross. Don't go another day without Jesus. Don't go another day.
Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I wanna thank you for this morning. I wanna thank you for this church and the opportunity we have to gather together and just to praise and to worship you. Father, I ask that you just be with each one here. And if there's anybody here who needs you that has not accepted you yet, that they may do that. Father, I just uh, ask that we just continue to seek you this week, that we may be an example to others in our conduct and in our speech, and that we may share your news that you have given us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.